welcome to episode one of the Short Shoot Triathlon Show, where we talk everything in the world of triathlon. My name is Will McCloy, coming to you throughout 2021 as we hook back into the Olympic qualification period. Of course, we've got the Olympics coming up in just under 100 days. We've got another edition of the World Champs in Kona, if you're looking at uh, long distance, and plenty of Super League and everything else coming up too. So it's great to have racing back, and we'll be bringing it to you. And we'll also be bringing to you Tim Don's squeaky chair that I can hear in the background. Uh, he's announced himself onto the show. Tim Don, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm loving the Super League action. The Arena Games is just where it's at. So, yeah, lovely to be here. Also joining us on, on this episode of the Short Shoot Triathlon Show, as always, because I can't get away from him, Chris McCormack is here. He's sitting up in his loft in Cronulla, Australia. Macca, how are you? Good, Will, good. You're, you're just down the road. It's very dark and cold. We're moving into winter here, and I'm definitely noticing the change in temp. So it's cold up in the it's loft. Because you're so, very it's because cold. you're so thin, mate. You need to uh, put on some weight. <laughs> I'm lean right up. Yeah, I'm back. I'm just over 94 kilos now, so... And still that's a heavyweight. Like two and a half Tim Dons, <laughs> but anyway, that's fine. Uh, also yeah. joining us, Challenge Miami champion, Jody Stimson. Congratulations on that big win. How are you, Jodes? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. Um, it's a bit colder back in uh, Birmingham. I love how Marcus says he's cold. You don't know what cold is. It's cold in the UK. It snowed yesterday in England. <laughs> <laughs> it gets chilly at yeah, night. At night. We've lost daylight savings down here. We've lost daylight savings, which is a big mood change. It gets darker early. Oh, I'd love to go. Oh, I, see, I see we're yeah. going to start... The first show on a, a nice positive note. I like that. Now, first thing, before we get anything else out of the way, Tim, Don, are you okay after watching you uh, in London at the Arena Games? You dug as deep as any man has ever dug. Uh, I ended up in Australia. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I hope I didn't look that bad. I'm okay. Um, yeah, it was a shock to the system. I, I will be honest. I think, um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, there's, there's no nowhere to hide in a swimming pool, as everyone, every triathlete knows. And and again, you know, on Zwift and on those curved treadmills, I was hoping that I was going to get my curve was going to be a bit flatter. But um, no, I really enjoyed the the, the experience. But um, definitely not as young as I used to be. I tell you that. Uh, you were setting PBs while those guys were still in nappies, uh, and you did incredibly well. There's no doubt about it. Now, if you don't know what the Arena Games is, uh, Super League pivoted, if you like, uh, away from championship racing. Uh, to put on some indoor racing last year, and the first one was in Rotterdam. Uh, it's a mix of uh, real life and virtual racing, so the bike and run are done in Zwift uh, with our partner Zwift. Uh, it's a very immersive viewing experience, and the swim is done uh, in a pool, so it all can be contained by the London Aquatic Centre or, in the case of this weekend, the Zwem Centrum in um, in Rotterdam. Uh, the Olympic-sized pool, 200 metres, so it's four laps of that. The bike and run on the tack smart trainers, are four kilometres and one kilometre respectively. And as Tim alluded to, the runs on a self-powered curved treadmill like an air runner, and it is tough to run on. It's a real skill. Um, it's better for, I guess, the the longer levered athlete, if you like. It's a completely different running style. Um, and all of that's done on Crit City, which is one of the Zwift courses, uh, one of the many. And the TV broadcast, well, it went out to 179 countries and they all watched Tim Don uh, sweat and puff his way through a pretty difficult half an hour or so of racing. There was plenty of suffering, Mac. I mean, we got up here in the middle of the night in Australia um, to call the race um, and it kept us awake. How good was London? It was, it was fantastic racing. Oh, it was just great to see racing back. You know, it's been such a tough, you know, what is it? how long is it now? 14, 15 months of uh, a lack of racing. And, and, you know, as a fan of sport, you know, we, we've been calling races for a while now. I've been following the sport of triathlon for 30 years I was just excited to see some racing back even though it was in a very different format and it's just great to see how difficult it is because you can't hide the pain you're seeing these athletes it goes for such a short period of time you know a 200 meter swim a 4k bike and a one kilometer run and they're just out so it was yeah I loved it I thought it was a really really good event great to see racing back and I'm hoping this is the opening of we're delivering much more of these events but i'm hoping this is a way forward this year into to more racing and back to some sort of normality which is uh i think a lot of athletes are very keen on that you have attempted jody so you are oh, arena games i just i think tim's braver than me i just saw i swim day in day out with or, stu- or stupid <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. I, I swim day in day out with sophie and i know how fast she is in a pool and i'm too competitive to just Want to get me arse handed to me if I'm totally honest? Like, <laughs> I can't hold on to feet in a pool. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't need to worry. There's no feet. You've got your own lane. <laughs> That's even worse. That's even worse. Um, the wins came to, to Beth Potter and Martin Van Riel, and and I, I guess neither of which were. I mean, Martin certainly we were pretty heavily tipped beforehand. He was only a late inclusion. Beth, we, all the talk was about Georgia Taylor Brown potentially, Lucy Charles Barclay, Sophie Caldwell were the top three that we thought were going to get the job done. Um, but then Beth Potter came from the clouds, and, and we'll break it down in just a little in a little while about how she actually did that. But did that surprise you guys first off the top that she, she did that, Macca? Well, I think my big takeaway, absolutely I was surprised. And I was more shocked as we we're talking about the pool was how well she did swim in that pool. And I guess there was, you know, you have your own lane, you have a bit of space, and it is very, very different to open water swimming. But being a non-swimmer to some degree, I think she proved in, in, in London she's no longer a non-swimmer. I did think she'd be exposed in the pool, but she was right there. And, and when you're looking at Lucy Charles Barclay in the lane to the left and Sophie Caldwell in the lane to the right, or either way around what it was, and she was tagging them for that first 100 metres, I was super impressed. So, yes, I was surprised. We were expecting a big run. We know she's very, very strong on the bike. You know, we've heard about her transition across to to, uh, to triathlon. We've seen what she's done since the Arena Games with her, with her running performances. But my big takeaway was just how impressive her swim was and how much development she's done in that in this break period on that swim, which is going to make her a real, real, you know, wild card in, in this upcoming racing over the next few years. So I think she's capable of doing anything. I'll, I'll ask the two sort of Team GB athletes here. I mean, if I know we, we ended at the end of 2019, that, that was when the, the Olympic team was decided. If it was decided a year later, would Beth Potter be in it? Uh, I'm going to say I don't think she's ready to be in the Olympics. I think that I don't think she's got the experience yet. Um, I think she's definitely, she could be as athlete like a Gwen. Um, and we saw, you know, Gwen was building, building, building until she was front pack swimming and she was, yeah, she was hanging on on the front pack, but she wasn't getting dropped. Um, and then, you know, if you couldn't get rid of her, well, she's there to win the race. Um, and I do see Beth being exactly like that in the first few races that are going to come up this year. Um, but I just, I think she's just lacking just that little bit more experience. Um, I, I still don't think that she would have been ready for Tokyo, if I'm honest, but I do think she's got some podiums coming at her um, WTS races this year. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that the confidence you get from such a commanding race and then obviously backing it up with that fantastic run and then she's going to race again in the pool with more confidence um, if she can transfer her pool swim into open water, and sometimes you just you're, you're often physically ready before you're mentally ready, and we definitely know she's mentally yeah. physically ready, and I think this could have just given her the edge. Um, and I'm going to say it: the British women are renowned uh, for being injured, and I'm sure there's a few niggles going around the British Olympic team or, or the, the, the women who are in the process. So, uh, if there, if it was all to play for this year, I would definitely put her as more than a wild card to make the British team. And if she's on a start line with that weapon as a run, anything can happen. Because she could add to the power of the British relay team, right? Because she's got such, with the swim being so much shorter, she brings so much, because I always see Sophie Caldwell as a, as a great addition to that British Olympic team as a relay racer, you know, because she's got she's so fast out of the blocks. But seeing how, how well... She, she raced that arena games and there's a lot of talk about it it's been an awkward 8-14 months with no racing and people are at different points of their preparation and blah 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 but as you said Tim you, you know that where as athletes you know that you do build sometimes you build confidence off a performance like that and it actually elevates you and we saw that the week later we know she's a runner but she's gone and done an amazing she's broken a world record in, in, over the 5k but she's a she's a super talent and, and Alistair Brownlee told me about her about two years ago. We were talking about bringing her to Jersey for the Super League races. I'm like, oh, can she swim? He's like, no, but she's a hard worker. And, you know, they're all the ingredients you need to, to improve in this sport. She's obviously put that hard work to, to good use and, and is rectifying a, a, a problem with the swim. And I'm, I'm really keen to see her race another triathlon. I'm looking forward to following her progression over the next few, you know, few months. And, you know, I tend to agree. If, if that opportunity arises for Great Britain, give someone like that a chance to uh, – to, to, to shine at the Olympics. Let's have a look at the, the breakdown, I guess, and the data because we've been crunching the numbers at Super League about what happened in London and trying to predict how it's going to play out uh, when we get to Rotterdam this weekend. And, and and one thing that stood out right off the top when we actually did all the numbers and and, and did um, 
just the deep dive, and I say that we, but it wasn't me at all. I just got handed a file with all the deep dive on it. Someone else did way more of the work. <laughs> but we... That was, that was not you. I forwarded that to you. This is what happens. This is what happens when we do a Super League Championship race. I do tons of notes and like just I've got heaps of stuff and I've memorized all this stuff. And then the night before we do it, I get a text from Maka and it always says, Hey mate, can you just email me those notes you always do? And then I do that. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. And then when he comes uh, to the event. <laughs> He doesn't even bring them with him. He's like, oh, I forgot to print out those notes, mate. Did you print out another copy? I'm like, yeah, here's the other. He's memorized them. He's, He's memorized the them. I'm hopeless. Now, what you're realizing, Will, as my wife will tell you if you speak to her, I'm hopeless, mate. Realizing. <laughs> realized. But then you go, I'm so underprepared, mate. Oh, no. And then he just comes out with all this outstanding analysis. So uh, I've learned to trust the faith. But anyway, uh, to go back to the breakdown and the data, Although much was made of her running, and we've talked so much about Beth Potter's running, and she was the quickest runner out there, it was actually the transitions that won the day for her because uh, we've got a table, and I'll just read it out. So with total athletic time, which is total time actually swimming, biking, and running, and then total transition time. Now, Lucy Charles Barclay spent 33 minutes and 40 seconds in athletic time, so swimming, biking, and running. Beth Potter actually spent 33.59, so it took her 19 more seconds over the course of the race to do the race. But in transition, Beth Potter, 3.35, Lucy Charles Barclay, 4.02. So despite the fact that she hasn't done a Super League race before, her transitions were actually 20 seconds faster in total than anyone else out there, and that's what won her the race. And we talked about it before, Macca, that transitions are key uh, when it comes to to Super League racing, and as you make it even shorter uh, with Arena Games, that's where it's won and lost. Well, transitions are important in any triathlon nowadays, right? But in particular, we saw that in the Arena Games in the first event we had in Rotterdam, where where in that event, some of the athletes opted to run without shoes. It ultimately won them the race and put them right up there. So transitions, we're calling going into that London race, were going to be critical, and, and bumming up a transition when an event is so short, you know, the, the clock doesn't stop, as as Tim and Jody know. If the longer you're still standing there, you've got to make that time up. You just don't have the distance to run that out of people. So she was remarkable. And I think Lucy Charles Barclay, you can forgive being an iron woman. She's only ever, only ever raced those longer distances where there's not so, such an urgency in transition. But, uh, but, but for the other WTS athletes and those people that have grown up in that, in that style of racing, they need to, uh, to not be so tardy if you want to win an arena games race. I think you could really tell on the swim leg that like uh, Sophie and Beth actually got to the side of the pool at the same time, but Beth was, you know, at the flags by the time that Sophie even entered the water. And Sophie's, you know, no sledge when it comes to fast transitions, but Beth was really on it in London. And I think she was on it all day and was just sharp all day. It goes back to what Alistair said about, she's working hard. She's a hard worker. And, you know, it's not just about your swimming, your running and your biking. It's about, it's a complete sport. It's about, you know, in this race, it's about your dive. It's about your turns and it is about your transitions. And she, she's looking hungrier than ever. And she's crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So yeah, that's going to really um, pee Lucy off. But um, yeah, it'll give Beth more full fuel for the fire. <laughs> We also we also dug in, guys, uh, with help of our partners, Garmin, into the heart rate data afterwards. Uh, and what we really noticed was the the accumulation the accumulation of of rest if you do well in the early stages. How important that is at the back end. So, for example, Potter was the most recovered going into stage three. So she lowered her heart rate from the end of stage two was one seventy four, and then by the start of stage three, which is only a minute or so, or, or I mean, she gets more time because she finishes sooner in stage two it was down to 135 lucy charles barkley the same 176 to 140 uh, so not quite the same but then ruth Assel, who was in last place and only had one minute between stages went from 161 to 152 so she was completely cooked when she started stage three and that's how these things are happening <laughs> you laugh it's it's horrible you see it happening out there say say how it is she was completely cooked she I love was it. Hope you've got my data. Uh, you, you know what? We're going to get to that, and I and I can see you. I've got the list. <laughs> I've got the list up here, and I look forward to getting oh, to it. Um, but you know, the fact that you're you know sixty to eighty years older than most of the other competitors means that your heart rate was naturally lower. Mine was just low. I couldn't get it high enough. That was my problem. Yeah. And isn't it two twenty minus your age? 
You can't get it that yeah, high, you right? It's kind of too big, that number. That's it. My, my max is 150. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny how I, I, um, I really viewed the race before the race as three races. <laughs> But now I would definitely view it as just one race. The trans- I mean, your heart rate isn't really going down low enough. It was just like swim bike. It was just con- a consistent flurry of swimming, biking and running for me. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's very true. And I'm going to pull out now a few other things. We'll go to swim, bike and run. And we'll have a, uh, I'll pull out a few points of data that we can discuss. But for example, and, and, and Jody, I know, as you say, you swim a lot with Sophie Colwell. We know she's worn the blue uh, of the best swimmer in Super League for much of the time that Super League's been around. So swim efficiency, all of the athletes drop off in swim efficiency. So if you've got a Garmin, you know that S Wolf the swim efficiency strokes per distance per distance covered uh, with speed. Her swim efficiency improved in all three stages, and all the others dropped off. So I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, obviously she just gets better as she goes along. To be honest, I think she has massively improved that from racing Super League because the first Super League that uh, we raced in Jersey, she was absolutely shocking when it came around to swimming again off another discipline. She just couldn't do it. So she's massively improved that from just racing Super League, which has obviously come from experience, which is another reason why Beth was you know, quite impressive that weekend because from a non-swimmer, which she's not anymore, um, you'd think that the weaker the swimmer you are, the more that you would fatigue doing your weakness off another discipline. Um, but she didn't. Um, but then you can also see that obviously Sophie's improved from experience. Yeah, there's no doubt she has. Um, well, if we move to the bike, we talk about Beth Potter. Now, her bike was meant to be her weak point, I suppose. I mean, it was swim as well. Um, but that's only because she's such a fantastic runner and she showed us that she doesn't really have a weak point. For example, she had the third best watts per kilogram of anyone uh, on the bike uh, behind Rachel Clammer and Georgia Taylor-Brown. And meanwhile, the bike record fell from 5.36 to 5.28, and that was Lucy Charles Barclow, who's now done the fastest bike of a Super League Arena Games. In the run, Beth Potter finished her final run in 3.23, which was 10 seconds clear of Lucy Charles Barclow. And we saw it go past on Zwift like, like Lucy was standing still. It was quite an impressive run to finish, and it looks like she could even have a little bit more left in the tank. She also... Uh, clocked up the fastest ever run uh, in an arena games with a 3.14, uh, which is quite incredible. Now, let's move on to the women's race that we're going to see. And it's quite a similar field. We've got a few changes. We don't have Lucy Charles Barclay, and and that's because, Tim Don, journalist, what's the scoop on what Lucy's doing? Well, someone told me a little birdie today that she's going to, for this weekend, the British um, Swimming Champs, and she's racing the 1500 metres. Whether she's trying to go 1604, which is the Olympic standard, which is 64s, that's pretty quick. That's Um, quick. I'm not sure, but she always says she loves racing, and I think we can see that. Um, So, yeah, she's decided to, to, yeah, to go for the British Swim Champs this weekend and not, not, not double up, which I'm surprised at because... You've got to be swimming good if you're putting your hand up to go into the British champs, right? You've got to be confident in where you are in your swimming. You don't just think, oh, you know what? I've got an idea. I might put my hand up and dive in with the best swimmers in the country and, and have a crack at, at trying to get an Olympic qualification. So I'm eager to see that performance. It's, we know how remarkable she is in, in Ironman swimming. We've seen it. We know how we, we've seen all the times on paper, but it's, it's really good when you get to see a triathlete mix it up in an individual discipline against against the country or world's best athletes. I, I, I find that really really excited i remember watching you tim racing the 5k in south africa on the track when you posted that 13 was it 1336 or i remember 39 39 39 i remember see that was amazing but watching you guys compete with individual athletes in their sport was brilliant but i think swimming is the hardest for us to compete in as an individual sport because the technicality of it and the volume the swimmers do compared to the triathletes in their swimming is so different so that's even more you know, kudos and respect, you know, for, for, for Lucy. And then just think, no, I don't think there's been a woman, maybe McKeely, no, McKeely Jones, Karen Smyers, who can podium at Kona and podium at Super League, probably within the same calendar year. You know, just the versatility yeah. she's got is, yeah, phenomenal. Raw talent. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Well, unfortunately, she's, she's going to be in the pool, swimming 64s, if you don't mind. Uh, we also lose Georgia Taylor-Brown, who was a late out. I'm not quite sure why she was on the initial list, so that's unfortunate. Ruth Assel <laughs> is still finishing Super League London, so she'll she'll be out. Um, and then, sorry, Ruth, that was unnecessary. She's in America. That was unnecessary. She's put herself as far away from the arena games as she possibly can. We gain Lisa Turch and Maya Kingma, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't know if anyone can 
catch Beth. She um, is probably going to be the favourite coming into this one, although you can't rule out Sophie Colwell and, and Rachel Clammer. I mean, from those names, I mean, am I incorrect in thinking that those three are probably there mm-hmm. or thereabouts? And I want to put Maya Kingmer in there as well, uh, Macca, because we saw how good she was in the Zwift e-cycling series um, that we had with Super League last year. She's a taller athlete for the curved runner. Um, she was sixth. She's done, she did it last year in Rotterdam as well, finished sixth and beat the likes of Annie Haug and Leonie Perio. Um, so she, she should be there or thereabouts, and she's at home. You have to look, and Rachel Clammer, you know, I think both those athletes, Rachel's just one of those consistent athletes who's always there, you know, regardless, you tend to look at the results and go, oh, there's Rachel again, she's second, or there's Rachel, she's third, she's always in that mix, so I think racing at home for them will be good, they're coming straight, at, you know, it's going to be very, very easy for them, but yeah, I tend to think they're the they're the four form athletes, and Jode, you're doing, you're training a lot with Soph, how's How's she feeling? It's quite funny. She's actually um, started uh, training some of these transitions that she lost a lot of time on. Um, So before I left, um, she was doing some transition stuff and it was just the simple stuff of practicing how fast can you get your swim hat on, goggles and dive back in because that was where she lost so much time last time. Um, yeah, I think she's she's excited to, you know, give it another go again and, and try and better Beth. But I do think that it, Beth's going to be hard to beat again. She just showed, you know, that she's up there. And Sophie, I think she won't have Lucy to chase in the swim. So Lucy's um, Sophie's going to have to push that on herself um, to try and get any sort of gap from Beth, which I think will be quite hard. And that makes it harder on the bike because you're not working with someone. Um, so yeah, that would be that could change the dynamics of the women's. It could bring the, the kind of second pack closer to the front, and then that opens up the door for Rachel in the first two races. She definitely seemed to get stronger. Um, and the Dutch have just come back from a national training camp in the Canary Islands, so they should all be you know fitter than they were, or or absolutely dead. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> And the English, the English have just been able to get back in the pool and the pubs are open. So mostly they may be down the pub all week. It's a real sliding doors moment, isn't it? When the pubs open at the same time as the pools and you're like, what decision do I take? Do I drown myself in the pool or do I drown my sorrows? I don't know which one I should do. Um, now, the full list of, of all the athletes from both the men's and the women's, make sure you head to superleaguetriathlon.com. That also has all of the uh, information about where you can watch it, no matter where you are around the world. Uh, it is one till three British, British summertime. Uh, because it's gone over six degrees in, in Britain. They're calling it British summertime. Um, so make sure you check all of the details for that. We're going to talk about the men's race now, obviously. Uh, Martin Van Riel. Oh, you know what? Before we get to that, before we get to that, we'll leave the men's race for a minute because we, we're talking about Beth, and and I, and I just wanted to mention the, the 5K record and get your thoughts on that, you guys, because she ran a 14.41 in Barrowford in England. Her previous personal best was a 15.24. She absolutely smoked her best. She beat the previous world record by a couple of seconds. She beat the British record by 10 seconds. That was Paula Radcliffe. Yes, it's, a, I guess, a, a soft world record compared to the track 5K, and there's been plenty of discussion around her footwear, and now the legitimacy of the thing has been called into question because there weren't timekeepers or drug testers on site. But taking away all of that noise, what an outstanding performance and, what, and an athlete coming on in, in such an incredible way. And, and Jody, let's let's go to you first on that one. I mean, what are your thoughts about this and also about all of the, the naysayers as well that have, that have come in afterwards to, to have their say? I think it was phenomenal. I, I, you know, I think, you know, when such an achievement like this has happened in sport, especially how everybody has been so deprived in sport, like let's just take the positive for what it is. It's an amazing run that she did. Like, let's just give the girl a pat on the back. Like, this, there has been, like, negatives chucked at it about, oh, but she's wearing carbon shoes and and all this. She bloody ran fast. Like, let's just give her her dues. It was an amazing performance. And I think she's not only shocking up people in triathlon now, she's shocking up people from running as well and athletics and how it should be. It's an amazing performance. Yeah, I mean, I think ev- everyone's got access to the shoes, whether whatever brand they are. You, you, you know that's a level playing field it's just your personal choice but it's a world-class performance and um yeah I'm just so impressed with how she she's she's handled herself you know watching her obviously in the Super League um, arena games and then going on to do that and um yeah I just think we just need to celebrate sport right now you know she's done nothing wrong train hard commit herself you know to the process of being a better athlete and she's been rewarded with 
with the fastest time in the world, whether it's official or unofficial. You, you tell me how many people can run sub how many women can run sub fifteen. I don't think Gwen's run anywhere near that, you know. And she's an Olympic medalist and now trying to go for for Tokyo. So yeah, I've just got so much time for for what she did and how she did it. So yeah, big, big kudos for her. Oh, I think it's awesome. My personal, like, I don't care what anyone says. When it's someone asks you your best time now for the rest of her life, fourteen forty one. It's what I ran for five thousand meters. So don't go. Oh, were they in carbon shoes or was it down? It's like around 14, 41. And, and, you know, the one thing I do, the one disadvantage I hate nowadays with social media and everything, it's just that everyone seems to be a glass half empty person. And as you guys said, it's, it's you know, we celebrate sport. Let's celebrate the athleticism of people. And, and it was just wonderful. I woke up and went, man, that's quick. You know that? And, and I always feel, I'm not, I guess I'm the older generation than you guys, but I always felt it was great to, to, to be, I used to run with the runners here in Australia and I always felt like I had to justify that triathletes could run. And I, I was able to do that when, when Timmy, you ran in, that's why I know your time in South Africa. When you ran that time in South Africa, I was here in Australia going, see, mate, he's a triathlete. Look at that. That's a legit time around the track. And then Alistair Brownlee went and did a 10K in, in, and, and raced with those guys around it. Dropped a low 28 and went, see, let me guess, the course is short. Because all my friends used to go, oh, the courses are short in triathlete and net triathlons. And now Beth Potter's posting the world best time 1441 she's a triathlete now so it's it's just great to see celebrate it i'm i'm super proud that a triathlete can claim they're the fastest 5000 meter runner in the world on the road and let the let the the naysayers whinge and complain and, and post their twitter posts i'm not listening and don't care <laughs> well once you learn how to use twitter you're going to start listening right? you know yeah is it twitter or twitter <laughs> does she go for the 10000 or 5000 qualification time you know it's a genuine thing she's got to talk to her coaches because she's not going to go to Tokyo for triathlon does yeah. she you know she's got the Commonwealth Games next year in England in Birmingham but you know she's training for triathlon and she's still running world-class times does she try and knock out uh, a good track time to to go to yeah. to Tokyo I don't know if that's something yeah that's on her radar but she's got to be seriously thinking about it there's a lot of triathletes now that are, that are crossing over I remember the first time we saw that in in 2000 Carol Montgomery made the 10,000 meter track team and also raced in the triathlon. I know Hayden Wild right now is probably eligible to qualify for the New Zealand 5000 and 10,000 meter team as a runner. He will also go as as a as a triathlete. So it's just great to see the the, the talent of these athletes that they're able to to migrate across sports and it's testament just to how quick triathlon has become in refining those three disciplines and how close they are to world standard in those individual disciplines. Had someone told me that triathletes would be capable of doing what they're doing today back when I was racing, I'd have been all in, not possible, but it's, I love being proved wrong. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, speaking of proving people wrong and official versus unofficial, another thing I want to touch on, Macca, and you're involved in it and so am I, uh, is the Sub 7, Sub 8 project. Uh, you're wearing the Phoenix Foundation hat right now. Uh, and obviously, that's the the foundation. The only that's, hat I have. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only hat you need, mate. Uh, you only got one head. So um, this is about breaking seven hours for the iron distance for the men's and eight hours for the women's. So at the moment, it's seven thirty-five, thirty-nine, I think, for Jan Fredino, uh set uh, a few years back, and it's uh, an eight eighteen from Chrissy Wellington about ten years ago now. Uh, so it's taking big chunks of time off that. Tell us, Macker, a little bit more about it. So if people haven't heard about it, where have you been? But also um, just you're obviously the founder of this this project and, and a big part of the foundation that backs it. Part of the foundation. But first, Timmy Don on screen is the official Ironman world record holder. Indeed. Right, so, Indeed. You know, in Brazil. <laughs> so he knows how to go there quick. Go. And, and, and he did that in very, very different circumstances than we're about to present in the Sub 7, Sub 8 project. But that really came about in, in as a bet in Bahrain. We were having a conversation at the time um, with Daniela and a few of the, the women about breaking eight hours, what it would take, how far off, could it be possible? What if there was paces and, and, uh, and Alistair Brownlee piped in. So, well, what about us? I said, what about breaking seven? I'm like, not possible. And then we started unpacking it all and yarn and, Everyone here knows Alistair. He's quite a confident human being. When you're sitting at a table with Javier Gomez and Jan Fredino, I would be relatively reserved. But he's like, mate, seven hours, I could do that. You give me the right things. And, and so with that conversation happened and, and I said, well, let's go away and did it. So we went away and put the, you know, put the plan in place and said, okay, let's try and, you know, let's try and go about delivering this event, which we've, we've gone about doing. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I'm more interested in the journey to the race. I don't, I'm not, you know, 
following the time, whether it's possible or not possible, we're going to find out on race day. There's obviously going to be paces in the swim. They're going to draft on the bike with with swapping turns. There'll be eight paces they can have across the three disciplines. Um, so where they use those paces is entirely up to the athlete. And I think the women are going to get under that eight-hour mark quite comfortably with Lucy and, and Nicola Spirig. I think Lucy will, will really enjoy having some company. You know, when you think of the way she races Ironman racing, she's off the front. She's an aggressive off the front racer. She's solo and the, and the groups behind tend to eat into her lead. But now she's able to execute this big swim with pace, have people on the bike to to help take up that pace and push that pace early and then and then run through a strong marathon. I, I think she's going to break eight hours convincingly and go well under it. On the men's side, I'm, I'm still not sure. It's a massive time, massive time. Speaking to both Alistair and Christian Blumenfeld, they seem to think it's possible. I, I unpack the time and think, man, if you do it, I'm... You know, I'm forever your biggest fan because I think it's it's going to be very, very tough. And I'm really, really eager to see just how uncomfortable that last hour and a half of racing is going to be for the men and the women because there is no pacing. When you're going after a world record, and Tim can tell us because he's done it, but you are going from the start. It's not a tactical race. It is all in from the onset. And that's a very, very different style of racing and a very different way of of uh, of, of attacking an event. It's painful. I agree with Mako. That's tougher than the women's um, target, but I think the process is going to be awesome to follow. I mean, I've broken it down with my coach, who's a real stato, especially on the bike, and we've looked at the kind of power, the speeds, the cadence, the drafting effect, the kind of course you're going to need. Um, and I just think, you know, I just learned something new. They're allowed eight paces today. You know, just the not the logistics, but just putting it all together is just going to be a feat of human performance that we've never seen because when the gun goes, you know, they are racing full gas, but there has to be a strategy. They can't race each other. Christian can't race Alistair. They need to stick to their their process, um, you know, their pacing, um, their nutrition, the whole shebang. And I just think, um, yeah, if, if we can, if, well, I'm sure you guys are documenting it on the way, but that is what you know, what can the human body do? You know, I mean, we didn't think women who are training for triathlon could run as world record times and they've just proved us wrong. You know, that the, the sport of triathlon is amazing like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. Um, yeah. And I just think it's going to be a, a, an amazing, yeah, yeah. Amazing feat. But I think it's going to be tough for them. I'm quite excited really, just really to tough. watch the event and seeing how the different approaches yeah, okay. to like breaking the record is going to come across. Like I've heard that Alistair thinks it's going to be all down to the bike and Christian thinks it's all going to be down to the run. And I mean, I'd kind of have to side with Alistair on that, that like kind of that big chunk needs to be taken from the bike. Like you can get the most gains from the bike, but having so like different approaches to kind of breaking the record. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting to see how that comes down and, you know, again, it's it's celebrating the sport that we love. It's celebrating triathlon. It's another element to seeing what, you know, these athletes, these amazing athletes, the, the body can do. Um, yeah, so it's super exciting and it'll be really entertaining to see who breaks. Have you guys got a course yet? Yeah, we've got a course. We're about to announce the course. It's it's a course you're all familiar with without giving too much away. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fast course. I didn't give anything away. I didn't say anything. That's, I know the course. It's, it's definitely going to be Kona then. We all know the course. It's Kona. Yeah. Easy it's course. Brazil. Easy. It's Brazil. <laughs> In Brazil, yeah. That's it. The Brazilians would go crazy. They'd be like, there'd be 200,000 spectators. Uh, carnival. <laughs> it's around a velodrome. It's the quickest. <laughs> 3,000 loops of a velodrome. I'm joking. It's not. It'd be entertaining it's to not. try and see anybody try and run off that. <laughs> you got to run on the velodrome too on the on the on the turn well there used to be a race in bordeaux like that we did yeah, it, it was a, the, yeah there was a swimming pool in the middle of a velodrome and then they rode on the velodrome and on the run was in between the velodrome bank and the pool and i think the, I, I didn't take part the corner was so tight they put rough velcro strips so you wouldn't kind of like run round if i remember correctly and there was a map you had to dry off before you got on the it was on TV. It was awesome to watch. Like, yeah, we did it. We did a couple of them here in Australia. We did one in Perth and one in Adelaide with the pool in the middle and the Formula One series. And yeah, exactly that. You rode around the velodrome. It was awesome. And you had the fifteen second towel down hours. You got out of the pool because you couldn't drip water on the wooden velodromes because you just end up in chaos with bikes crashing as they hit that little water patch. 
So it was uh, yeah, a lot of lot of fun days back in the olden days. What's old is new again. Yeah, but this time it won't be in black and white, mate. It won't be in black and white. So that's good. Um, let's get back to the present uh, and talk about <laughs> the men's race. Um, completely different race from London. We're looking forward to in Rotterdam. Uh, there's only four athletes returning uh, from the London race. Uh, Alex Yee, Jonas Schomburg, Vasco Velasa, and Martin Van Riel, who was our winner. Uh, and new faces are Alois Nabel from Austria, Marco van der Stel from the Netherlands, the two Frenchmen who seem to always race together, Anthony Pujard and Aurelien Raphael, uh, Daniel Bacagard, uh from Denmark, and Felix Deschamps from Romania. He's a Frenchman. He races for Romania now. Uh, so there's plenty of new faces there. A couple of them have done Rotterdam before. Nabil and Van der Stel both have, but then we've got four absolute newbies uh, to the arena game. So um, that's going to be extremely interesting um you would have thought that the winners or the, the guys at the pointy end will probably come from that group that are coming from london uh in schomburg velasa van real and, and alex Yee potentially uh if not i mean those other names i threw out there i mean who, who do you guys like from that and and can we see any other contenders i'm gonna go with martin and alex <laughs> anyone anyone i like Raphael. <laughs> martin and alex well they came first and third so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna still keep with Martin and Alex. Uh, I think that those two are gonna be the strongest ones. I think Raphael. I've raced him a lot. He's an animal in the in the Raphael. He's an animal open water and in the pool. He's power. I used to race him in the French Grand Prix when he was 12 and I was 46 back in the day. And he's just um he's just an explosive. He's an explosive athlete. And um yeah, I think um I, I yeah he's my I don't know, dark horse. He's my someone who's never taken part in an arena games. He's the he's the he's, he could be someone that could really shake things up. Um, but again, transitions, you know, small things like that. If people neglect those, then yeah, they got yeah, yeah, no chance. I'm with Tim. I think that I think that the, that French combo, their their swim power is just remarkable, and we've seen how much how important the swim is. In, in arena games racing, it, it sets up that first race. You you have the ability to close down in that pool with with those powerful swims like Lucy Charles did in the in that second race in the women's event. And I just think those French athletes are so used to this hyper hyper short racing. They've done it their whole life that their transitions are slick. And as they start to fatigue in those longer races where they can where they can get caught out, you just you've got a K and they run as quick as anyone over a thousand meters. So mm. I think both the French athletes could be in that mix but martin van real has shown that he he can swim he can do all those disciplines as well so it's going to be a very very good race but with tim the, expect the french to be right up the front let's talk about martin van real because i mean for, for him consistency was key he was very level throughout when we crunched the numbers and again it wasn't we it was someone else but uh his fastest and slowest swim splits only varied by five seconds his fastest and slowest bike splits nine seconds and his run between fastest and slowest, there was only six seconds. So throughout, he was incredibly consistent. He didn't stand out in any one discipline, um, but he just banked points. And it seemed as though to me, from at least where I was sitting, that he he used his efforts at the right times. So at the end of the stage one bike sprint, he really put it on and when and behind Vasco Velasa picked up a good points haul. Whereas someone like Johnny Brownlee, at one stage, he was gassing himself to try and make up one place, failed to, and then he had 20 seconds back to Alex Yee. So he didn't need to burn all those matches at the times. He seems to seem to turn it on at the right times, Martin Van Riel. And in the end, um, he was he was very very impressive. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys agree that he was he seemed to be um, consistent throughout and just banked him a little bit like a Jess Learmonth did uh, in Rotterdam last time. I think that was down to just smart racing. At the end of the day, I think he just kept a level head throughout. Whereas I think. Maybe Johnny just got a bit carried away with, you know, the, kind of the moment. And but I think Martin kind of just made really smart race decisions all day, which kind of ended up with the win. I've raced him on Zwift a few times and he he's always in the right move. He's But he's got the power for someone who's so light. He, he can still crack probably close to a thousand watts. So, but he knows when to use it. He's, um, he's kind of reading, reading that virtualness of Zwift so well. And again, that's saving him energy, um, you know, yeah, on the bike for sure. 
you know, I think the big thing, as you said, Will, was what we noticed. And, and I'm going to ask you this, Tim, because you're in the race. So if anyone knows what happened out there, you do because you're you're in it. But are you aware of the distances between between the riders behind on, on the on the screen? Can you see? Can you guys see what we see? Because as Will said, you know, Johnny really his consistency was there. He really blew it in that third race. Just but he didn't blow it. It's the wrong word, but. Had he had he just conserved when he when that that gap in that second race and just just backed off a little bit because the, we're chasing points you know you're accumulating points race on race so knowing where those other athletes are if you can't close that gap back it off because those points you have to stack up to to, to pick up in that next stage and are you aware of that can you see see what the other athletes are doing I was definitely aware of it on the second race I knew I was out of it so I I took the swim absolutely just as a recovery warm down. So I knew I wouldn't get as much rest, but I could flush, hopefully flush my, my body out. Definitely on when you're on the bike and on the run, you're always looking, you're not looking at yourself running. You're looking at the right-hand side, you know, the gaps between and you're seeing where people are. Um, and yeah, you've got to be able to read that. And often when you put the power down, it takes a couple of seconds to come through. So it's all about that timing. And you can see if someone's moving up, there's going to be a a jump at the front you can't be last man because if that gap it's very hard to close a gap once it goes to two or three seconds you know it's exponentially harder especially on the bike so again martin's really good at reading that and alice i mean jonathan is just he's just a, a, a not the mongol that's alistair but he's just a you know he's just a fighter and you know he's maybe not as finesse when it comes to that side of, of the race race skill which these younger guys um, yeah, definitely got. They're young kids in their video games, hey, Tim? Tell you what, geez. Their virtual <laughs> worlds. I played Golden Axe and Street Fighter. <laughs> Donkey Me Kong too. was my game. <laughs> I played Atari. Asteroids. Mate, oh, Mac, you, played, you played with marbles, oh, mate. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, marbles. Pick up sticks. Now, one guy, one guy who... Who we, we probably expected more from was Vasco Velasa, who you know he's second in the Arena Games 2020. Uh, then he won Stage One in London. He was wearing that little beret uh, on the bike, and he nudged, he nudged in front just at the end. But then in Stage Two, he was a couple of seconds back, and, and this speaks exactly what Tim was saying. He was a couple of seconds back in the Stage Two run. He just missed the bike group. Then he was a couple of seconds back there, and he just fell right off, burned all his matches trying to get back, and finished 45 seconds back by missing the bike. Uh, pack and then he had no time to recover for stage three so that accumulation of losing the pack losing the draft disappearing off the back and having no time to recover that can that can work over an athlete as good as Vasco Velasa has been in the last 12 months and do we see him Maka hit back uh, this time around having learnt what happened there well, you heard his interview after race one. He was all in to to get that performance in stage one, and he said, "Man, I'm I'm out." You know, I I think it was a matter of fitness. I think he was a lot fitter come that Rotter, that Rotterdam race compared to London. He's got he's on a different build. He's obviously focused on the Olympics, and I just think he used that stage one. He just didn't have that fitness or that core base work to to carry through those other two races. But I um I actually I want to know when you when you're swapping turns up there because. When we did see Vasco in that second race on the on the chase, and he couldn't get onto the back of that group, are you able to swap turns? Is, do you feel that effective turn swapping, or it's it's not like a conventional race? No, you do. Like you can definitely go from if I'm on the front of five and a half watts per kilo, I can de- I know I can drop to three point five watts a kilo for maybe ten seconds, and I won't get dropped. And then I need to go. So it's a lot shorter turn. So in cycling, if the group was that big, like six, you know, you're going to get a 40 second rest. It's probably only a five second rest. And you need to know the course because you've got those those little rollers. You know, you need to change down to get the cadence to go up to hold the speed because you don't want to, you know, concertina off the back. Um, So, yeah, but there is a you're not you're not like I wasn't you're not going, hey come on you know you're not talking to them next to you you're just watching the movements of the screen the flow of it but yeah you can definitely save energy if you're smart but once you once you're gone like you saw it's you're not going to catch the pack so you need to make the smart decision you know to to ride hard enough where you're not losing too much time but you don't want to it's just so annoying when you're seeing the same watts per kilo and they're just riding away from you because there's more of them um so yeah you yeah as I know. 
Well, it's funny you say that because I'm about to go into that table of times that we talked about earlier, and I've got it sitting here in front of me now, uh, as opposed as opposed to the the, the women. And we saw Beth Potter was I can't better hear in transition. You. Sorry, you've gone. You've gone. Uh, you're breaking up. I'm breaking up. Um, the transition times were very similar between our between our top athletes, of which you were obviously one, Tim. Um, Johnny Brownlee, 340 in transition. Alex Yee, Justice Nishlag, 345. Van Reel, 346. Velasa, 353. Then we start to blow out a bit. Schomburg, 357. Benson, 401. Have you, have you noticed any of the names we haven't read out yet? Goodwin, 422. And then Tim Don, 431. Uh, you missed someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You got a flat. You got a flat in that race, Tim, didn't you? Uh, I, no. Do you know what it is? Is I, I put I put socks on. I had to put socks on. I'm an Ironman athlete. I, I had to put my and I put my um my, my compression socks because you know it always takes that little bit longer. I tell you what I did see, and I'm probably breaking trade secrets. Is some of those boys had some things I've never seen in transition. They had some funny lace systems. There's all sorts of stuff going on. I think we've got to watch out for that in the team relay. Um, at the Olympics, and just things like Alistair was moving his box where his goggles were from the right to the left, depending which way you got your goggles. So watch that neck. And he was like, Tim, I was like, what are you moving it for? He goes, well, you're coming from this side. And I was like, that's two meters. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm moving it. And again, on the treadmill, he was moving it from one side to the other, depending kind of like which way it was. And those things obviously add up, but not enough for me. <laughs> Yeah, because it's odd because you've got you you were tenth in uh, transition time, but you were also tenth in athletic time. Consistency is king. I'm a big believer of that. Uh, where did you come? Tenth. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> Nine. 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 This shows you tactically Nine. tactically brilliant. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I pulled it out the bag when someone got injured. <laughs> <laughs> the fastest swim was Vasco Velasa. Actually, had a two oh six in the first swim of stage one. Um, Justice Nieslag had the best swimming efficiency. Uh, Tim Don had the least efficient swim. There you go. Um, sorry about that. The bike, uh, Vasco Velasa was again the fastest. Despite the fact he finished sixth, he had the quickest times. He had a 5.14 in stage one. Uh, and they finished in that bike sprint between him and Van Riel, Nieslag and Brownlee. Um, highest watts a kilo, that was Alex Yee because he only weighs about seven kilos. Um, he also had the f- fastest three run splits. Did Alex Yee. Uh, Gordon Benson was right up there too. Uh, a 2.51, the two of them shared as the fastest uh, run on the, the 1K on the, the air runner, which is incredibly good. 2.52 Van Reel. Now, heart rate was a really interesting one because, and I'm just reading this off my notes now, Martin Van Reel's heart rate for the entire event, including the breaks, on average was 148. He only peaked at 163. He never got his heart rate above 163. And at the end of stage two, which is when the, the heart rates are normally quite high, he maxed out at 156. And by the time he started stage three, he was 115. That is quite unbelievable. Yeah. That's oh, super yeah. low. Boy's fat, super fat. It really is. That's what that data says, Will. All, all that washy stuff he said basically says he's ridiculously fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I'm reading someone else's work here, mate. Let me give it time to shine. Jeez. Um, yes, he's incredibly fit uh, and, and also measured his way through incredibly well. Um, Gordon Benson, on the other hand, highest heart rate of the day, 209. So he's how old does that make him? He's like 12, 11. 11. Wow. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. He actually did the 5K with Beth and, and she beat him. Oh, wow. Yeah, he went 15... He went uh, 14.52. Oh, she beat, yeah. Wow. She did. Um, now, well, yeah, see, see, you, Tim, went from 157 to 135 at the end of that. So that's not too bad. You got a nice low heart I'll rate. Take that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear anyone <laughs> say a word against you, that's mate. Good, I'll Rose. defend you yeah. to the death, which for you is only going to be a few years away. You see, he's talking against me. What's going on? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I had my vaccine. I had my. Va- I was in the first vaccine batch because I was so old. So. Was <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear, dear, dear. All, all, all my family here got vaccinated because they look after me. So I'm. I'm the old person to look after. 
they got to protect me. This has gone completely out of control. So before we before we finish up, guys, um, can I get uh, predictions for you from each of you for the men and the women? Um, and we'll start with you, Jody. Who do you think is going to win the men and the women um, at the Rotterdam Arena Games this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go Alex for the win for the men. Um, and for the women, I think you can't beat against Beth. But Sophie's going to be close. Good. Oh, I was hoping you are going to back Soph. <laughs> what about you, Maka? I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take Martin again. I think, uh, you know, the numbers say it all. He's, he's, he's flawless across, uh, across the three disciplines. His swim is so strong it sets him up. And I'm going to say Beth. I think she's on a roll, as Tim said at the start of the show. I think she's going to go from strength to strength. She's building some confidence, especially after the run and after winning. I think she's going to be very tough to beat. Timothy? Yeah, I think Beth. Definitely Beth. Um, I think it's going to be a different dynamic race just for the women, um, just with Lucy not being there. Um, and then for the men, I'm going to take a risk and go for one of the French athletes, um, Anthony. Um, so, yeah. All right, Anthony Pujard. I thought you were going to go with uh, Raphael. Will? Oh. And Will? Oh. <laughs> I don't think you get out of well, making a prediction. one of the spreadsheets that you've I'm got. I'm not a triathlete, mate. <laughs> just um, go on the spreadsheet. No, I, I think... Well, you got to put your you got to put your head on the let chopping me, block. Let me just check. I'm not racing, so you don't you can't pick me. I <laughs> oh, just quick tip wasn't going to pick you, but okay. Um, you've got all the you've got all the stats in front of you. Yours should be I spot do. on. I do. Um, let's see. I would like. I mean, it's impossible to go past Beth Potter. Obviously, it's out of Beth and Sophie for me, and for the men. Well, I hate to say it, but it's going to be Beth and Martin again. I think, but you know, it's. They were both so commanding in their performances, it's hard not to. So uh, we've run out of time, though. That takes us up to the hour. So thank you so much uh, to to Maka for joining us, to Sophie from joining us from the UK, Tim for joining us as well. Uh, for I'll take us you. In, in I'll take you. I'll your, take Sophie. Um, sessions. And, um... Oh, did I say Sophie? You Sorry, I was Sophie, thinking about Sophie. Jody. I was thinking about Sophie. I was looking at her on the spreadsheet. <laughs> Thanks to Sophie for joining us. You don't want to also, thanks to, um, to Jody for joining us in Sophie's absence. Alistair. The, the better version of Sophie Colwell, Jody Thank you so much for joining us as well. Um, now, I should wrap up by telling everyone out there. What's that? Yeah, I got myself out of that. I'll just cut, we'll just cut it out in post. Don't worry, it's fine. Uh, the Rotterdam's Web Centrum, it's on this Saturday, 2 to 4 local time. That means 1 to 3 British summertime. Check the Super League website for the full list of details, superleaguetriathlon.com. If you're in the USA, you can watch it on Flow Sports, Germany Sport 1, France, you can see it on Le Kip. UK will be on uh, BBC iPlayer and the BBC Sport website, I think, and Europe. Uh, the highlights will be on Eurosport. But don't forget, it's all on superleaguetriathlon.com. Thanks to all of you and, and thanks for listening as well. We'll be back with another short shoot triathlon show very, very soon.